Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly Drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. We're basically just two regular dudes drinking some irregular beer and talking about Magic the Gathering in particular, the online client MTG Arena. Yes, and... There was a big announcement video that just happened, and we know all the new products coming out in 2023, as well as a little bit more information of what's coming out this year. So we're going to dive into those. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right, we're continuing our tap takeover of a local, Hamilton local brewery called Ring and Grit. This time I've brought their IPA, and it's called Pinky Swear. And it's uh, nothing fancy. The can just says India Pale Ale. So uh, my guess is that this is like their flagship IPA, and it's 5.8%. Nice. Yeah, I uh, yeah I still really like the art on that. So go to our um, Instagram, at Arena Regulars, to, to check out what the art style looks like. But I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, excited to see what we get this week because i you know last week was nice um all right we have some magic news there was obviously a huge announcement that's what this whole episode is about so this whole episode is magic news hooray i'm not gonna get into more of that really because dominary united will be coming out soon um but uh let's just kind of get into this announcement man um starting with dominary united hooray (laughs) (laughs) Um, but quick, quick aside before we get into the magic stuff, this announcement was a big Watsy. Um, it's for all the Watsy products, basically. So uh, there was a very large portion at the very beginning that was all about Dungeons and Dragons, which is fantastic. Uh, we will not be talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I don't know very much about it. Um, it was cool to see all the products, but um, it doesn't really, you know, uh, I don't really play that much, so I. Yeah, I mean, all I can tell is that it's like, whatever they're doing is sort of a big deal. They're sort of, it's like a new edition or a new version or whatever. Yeah, so if you're uh, D&D people out there, awesome for you. That's so great. All the books looked cool. And I'm actually kind of, you know, being a Magic player, I liked having both of them together because they're trying to bring Mm us, you know, to be one unit. But this is a Magic podcast, so we're going to talk about Magic. Here we go. (sighs) First off, Dominary United uh, on Arena. It comes out September 1st, so it's very, very soon, one week after this episode drops. Um, And we did get to see some cards. Jeff, do you want to talk about the cards now, or do you want to talk about them later? Should we get into future things? I say we talk about all the upcoming cool sets and save the the sweet, sweet preview talk for for afterwards. All right, so let's do that. Um, So if you want to hear our thoughts on any of the previews or the spoilers or the new cards or the all the stuff going on um stay tuned for that so that leaves well do you do you have anything to say about dominary united before we move on uh yeah i have lots to say but i'll say it later perfect um (laughs) it's a it's a beloved plane that we're returning to people really loved the last dominaria set yeah and as we know the phyrexians are invading and uh you know as Phyrexians do. Um, but, uh, you know, I just missed Invasion when I had started playing Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I started an Onslaught, so Invasion was a, a couple blocks before that, which was a 
huge Phyrexian invasion. And I always thought the Phyrexians were so cool. And I just have never really been playing, like, I haven't been really in it when the Phyrexians are around. So I'm very excited to get my hands on some of these and, and get to get playing with Phyrexians because they're really cool. <laughs> yeah, I just missed Invasion as well, but I had, like, an old box of cards that my dad's, you know, friend's son gave me uh, that had some Invasion cards in it, and I thought they were really cool. So, um, yeah, we'll talk more when we get to specific cards, obviously, but uh, I think this is going to be a cool set. Oh, it's going to be so sweet. Um, as well as the Brothers War, which... Hmm. Is all about the, the, the brothers, of course, being Urza and Mishra, which I also didn't get to play during their time, which was like Urza's legacy, destiny, saga. Um, but uh, yeah, bringing all this nostalgia back. It must be like, is there like uh, some sort of anniversary or something coming up? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, something, uh, yeah, some sort of age. Yeah, I don't know what, what year it could be of monumental age, I guess. Um, a really, a really important one for us, I, th I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously this was like, the Urza's sets were way before my time, if I started playing after Invasion. Um, but uh, I'm a little concerned about this one, not gonna lie. It's an artifact-themed set, and artifact-themed sets don't have a great track record. Um, but one thing I wanted to call out about this is that they said that, like, they put specific emphasis on, like, war machines. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to be a lot of, like, creatures and stuff. And generally, it's not the artifact creatures that are busted. It's, it's just artifacts that you can tap right away and, uh, you know, Do get all, up to all sorts of shenanigans. So uh, I'm hoping that that was, like, them hinting that, you know, we figured out a way to not make a busted artifact set, and that's to make the artifacts mostly, like, big war machine juggernaut style cards. Yeah, well, not just that, but also making sure artifacts have colors in their casting cost, which is something we do all the time now. Back then, right. you didn't do that. Artifacts were just artifacts, and you play them in any deck, and they might have colored activation costs, but they didn't really, you know, use colors to play. Now, it's, it's very normal to have an artifact be color... And so that, I think that really helps it too. Right? Don't you yeah. think? Uh, yeah. I mean, we <laughs> sort of had that technology when Kaladesh was around. But uh, but they didn't do that in Kaladesh though. I feel like all the busted <laughs> stuff was all the colorless shit. So if they just make sure there's colors, it's it's better. Right? It's got to be. I'm, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. I am very yeah. optimistic about this set. And um, I'm very excited because I didn't think about this before. But it looks like they are doing a pre-release that is you choose which brother's side. So your pre-release kit, they do uh -huh, this yeah. They do this with like Ravnica guilds and stuff where you're like, oh, pick your favorite guild or, or whatever, your house for Strixhaven. This will be, you just have two options. Either you're going to go with Urza or you're going to go with Mishra. And that is so fun. I, right. I know that they did this for um, Mirrodin Besieged. And when they were going into uh, the pre-release, so you had to choose like Phyrexians or the, the Mirren. Um, and so it's kind of hearkening back to that, which I missed and I really wish that I was able to do it. But um, I hope they do something like that on Arena because we don't really have, we don't get that experience. It seems pretty easy to have that poured over. Yeah. 
I would hope so. You never know. But they haven't really done that with the other pre-releases either. So not like, oh, here's your sealed pool. Pick your favorite uh, guild, and then you'll get a seated pack. They don't really do that, so... Yeah, I guess because it's just for pre-releases. It's not for, like, the sealed. Mm -hmm. Arena doesn't really have pre-release. Yeah. Although they could, but maybe it's just not worth it to them to, like, code all of that functionality for a two-day event. That's true. But still, come on. We get the... We get it for, like, a whole week beforehand. (laughs) I don't know. Um, That's what I want. But, uh, though, I still think... Okay, we talked about this a long time ago. Maybe one year ago when we were talking about Brothers War coming out. (laughs) That I, you said you thought it was going to be a busted artifact set, and I said it wasn't going to be busted because it's not going to be an artifact set. So, there's still that up in the air. It could surprise us and not be artifact-themed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like we have, like, a whole year of artifact sets here. All right, well, then, let's go into the next one. Then, all the new, (laughs) brand-new news. Okay, so the other set that Zach probably thinks isn't an artifact set is uh, called March of the Machine. Uh, (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. No, you skipped one. You skipped one. All right. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You were just trying to get that joke in. You really wanted to to hammer that out. (laughs) Okay, so the actual next set that Zach thinks won't be an artifact set is Phyrexia. All will be one. So I guess we're, like, going back to the plane. So in New Phyrexia, the Phyrexians took over Mirrodin. So I guess this is us going back to Mirrodin, but it's now called New Phyrexia. New Phyrexia. So I actually don't know. I don't... Did we learn about what plane it's going to actually be on? We just know that it's, like, about Phyrexians. Um, So, you know, I would kind of assume that we might be there, uh, learning probably, I guess, more about the plan and because and, it's building up into the battle that we're really getting into as the Brothers' War is about the past. This is bringing us back to the, the present. Um, but once again... I wonder if the Brothers' War is going to be like they have to travel back in time and that's why they can justify putting like Teferi in the Brothers' War or something. That, okay. Uh, Maybe. That would make sense. Maybe it's just like... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just like a, <laughs> a Back to the Future. <laughs> if they have a bunch of Back to the Future jokes, that would be everything. But um, What, like he falls in love with his mom or something? No, no, no. Well, that, no, it's, <laughs> that's not what happened in Back to the Future. Real quick, just so everyone knows. His mom was... I have to throw stuff like that in just to see. No, exactly. because his mom was trying to have sex with him. That was the problem. Mm. And he was just trying to get her with his dad so that of he course. could be alive. But she had the hots for him. And then also there's a bunch of... Much less weird. There's a bunch of like really fucked up stuff that happens in that movie that people seemingly forget, but like um, around all of that, actually. Not that that isn't the fucked up stuff, but there's, there's other things <laughs> that people seem to glide over. But. but that's my prediction for the Brothers' War. They have to go back in time for like, re, you know, MacGuffin XYZ. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, that's why, like, you'll have planeswalkers in a set that's all about the Brothers' War. Uh, okay. Because they have to have a reason to have planeswalker cards because planeswalkers, that was before the mending or something? Yeah, the planeswalkers would be, like, super powerful, the yeah. real ones at that time. Do they just 
print Oko right into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oko's just chilling there. <laughs> Actually, Urza was Oko the whole time. Oko's a trickster, right? Wow. So. That would be insane. <laughs> um, no, no, Zach, we'll get to Oko later. Okay. All right. We will. We will. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited for Phyrexia just because, well, I've already alluded that I love Phyrexians and I do, spoiler alert, want them to win everything. If they could, <laughs> if they could take over all of everything and then, uh, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm just on their side as of all the villains that we have in, in magic. Um, I'm, I'm somebody who likes the Phyrexians. I don't give a shit about Nicol Bolas. I don't give a shit about Eldrazi. Um, but Phyrexians. Oh. You're, just, you're not even a sleeper agent. You're just actively no. aware of which team and, and like open about which team you're on. I am, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually I signed up for the sleeper agent program and they denied me access oh, because I was yeah. too excited to be Phyrexian and they said that <laughs> it was I was too obvious. Yeah, yeah. they said that it w- I would give it away um, immediately. But uh, you were too obviously complete. So. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I want them to bring back poison. Because oh, I, I feel infect. like they would have to. I feel like they have to. Because because I just and there is like a little hint to it, right? Mm-hmm. Some, we get there yeah. might be a little something, little something, something, um, which you know they might sprinkle it in. We have had infect um, or poison damage from from things. We had that guy in Kaldheim, so oh, yeah. I think yeah. I think they'll they'll sprinkle some in. It might not be uh, like a limited mechanic, but um, we'll have something. We'll have. Yeah, I'm excited for this one, too, because I loved Mirrodin. I think that was, like, that's when I first went to pre-releases when mm. I was a kid. It wasn't Mirrodin, but it was Darksteel was mm-hmm. the first one I went to. Right. So I have a lot of, like, affiliation with uh, that plane. And I think I heard them say something about Mirrodin. I don't totally remember, but I think I heard them say Mirrodin or has become New Phyrexia or something like that when they announced this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go back and watch it, but... I got. I was given the distinct impression that, that this that's where we're going to be. Is going to be there, yeah. I do. So there think... might be some like nods to old Mirrodin characters or yes, uh, stuff like that. Mm. That's going to be fun. Um, yeah, and I that does make a lot of sense. Obviously, we we should be back to where the the home ground is. But I do think we're going to be in a big um, kind of a on multiple different planes because. The next one. Do you want to do you want to announce again the, the next set that, that's coming okay, up? Okay, so this, <laughs> the next set uh, is called March of the Machine. Um, I guess like I don't remember a ton of the details surrounding this. It's just sort of like the denouement. It's like the final confrontation of this war. I guess. Yes. Yeah. So it seems like um, this. You know, we've been building on this for a really long time as we've seen uh, fire vaccines on other planes. Obviously, we've seen them in the last couple and uh, call time. And now March of the Machine is going to be the kind of build up to the final battle. And then there's going to be a small set that comes after it that's tied into it called March of the Machine, the Aftermath. So that's a nice little block thing, which I wasn't expecting to have. And I like that they use it like sparingly kind of in the story arc. So yeah. I guess this... wondering if, if, if it's going to be, like, drafted together. That is something I always want to do, but it seems like people... That, if they said... Because they said small set, I think they mm-hmm. have to because we've had these weird, like, Innistrad blocks of, like, two big sets. 
And so yeah. this would make sense if we do it together. Um, I would love that. But I think we're in the minority on that. Most people prefer the new system where every format is just three of the same pack of the new set. Yeah. Because, like, you get more of the new cards that way. All three packs are new. That's true. But if <clears throat> but if the, the small set... If they're doing it in a way that, like, because when they did... So, Mini rant about block structure because we just brought it up, so we have to. So, when they were doing the three-block structure before, it was, like, Corset in the summer, and then one in the fall, winter, spring, and then Corset, right? So, you'd spend a whole year in one plane. But that's a really long time. Because they're coming out with sets so quickly, I think that if... Whatever, this is going to come out in, like, April or something... Right? March of the Machine? Yeah. And then Aftermath is supposed to be shortly after. So, like, if that's May or June, that's only, like, a, a little bit of time, and you can... Maybe you have, like, a month of, like, drafting both together. Which seems... Yeah, cool. it won't, won't feel as, like... As, like, much to the, oh, I'm only getting I'm, one pack of new cards. Exactly. Or I'm, like, yeah, slogging through, like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, and this draft set just keeps... It, it grows, but it just takes forever to change. And we our draft sets change so quickly now because people are playing them in mass on arena that, uh, I think having some every once in a while, you know, it doesn't have to be the norm, but I would like the idea of like, Oh, it makes sense to have a small set. So let's tack it on and, uh, make it fun totally. and special. Um, so two big things with this. So on the actual picture for March of the machine. Okay. It is like, the sky is Elish Norn, and then Teferi's in the middle, and there's like some lightning. But in the lightning, there are all these like worm things flying in the sky, and there are three really important things in the picture. Okay? We're going into fun art stuff, but there are <laughs> hedrons around Elish Norn's neck, so that makes us feel like we might be visiting Zendikar. There is a temple that looks like Theros. And there's also some um, buildings that look like we're on Kamigawa with neon lights on the side. So it does seem like that may span over multiple planes and the Phyrexians are infiltrating a bunch of different places. So I don't think March of the Machine is going to be on one place. I think it's going to be in a bunch of different places. And we did get hinted at from uh, Kaldheim... um, What's his face? Uh, when Kaya was talking to Tyvar, he had mentioned he went to Zendikar at one point. So we might have some of those things tie in together as we've had little like droplets of, of stuff. But, um, you know, it's, Very interesting. We, yeah. we had a war that was like all, every planeswalker was stuck in Ravnica and they all had to fight there. This one feels like kind of the opposite, where the war comes to everyone and is spreading all over the multiverse. Um, kind of cool. I, uh, I'm. Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask if we knew like where it was set. So I guess it's kind of cool that it's not just on Dominaria or something. Yeah, I think it's kind of everywhere, um, mm-hmm. and or you know probably some more than others, but in the sense that the art may invoke. Uh, corset feelings where you get characters from all over the place um, but in an expert level thing right. so yeah cool yeah I um, yeah I like this I'm, I'm happy that we're back in like a big I've been waiting we since we started the podcast I've been talking about when are we going to Phyrexia 
And finally, it's happening. Here we are. Uh, <laughs> I've been kind of saying that we're going to be there for a long time now. Uh, finally, it has happened. Um, it's not, it hasn't happened yet, but we're getting there. We're on the road. And I'm very excited. I just have one more request, and it's that we need to have a reprint of March of the Machines because, of course, <laughs> we have to. Um, My only request is that uh, it's actually Eldrazi behind the thing the whole time, and uh, the Eldrazi all <laughs> storm out and just swat away the Phyrexians, and then it's all about Eldrazi. That would be awesome. That would be... I actually... Okay, just to, to pause our thing, because of course I'm going to go on a rant about something, but recently... Um, my respect for Eldrazi and Shadows over Innistrad and Eldris Moon have gone up. I felt kind of low on them, but I, 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 they've, they've, gone, they've bumped up in my rankings for one specific reason. <laughs> I watched the movie The Thing. I think it's 1982, Kurt Russell, and the entire movie is you don't know who's an alien. And when you find out they're an alien, they bust out into a bunch of tentacles and start attacking people and like freaking out. And uh, I was like, oh, there is a lot of inspiration for Eldritch Moon from the thing. And so now when I look at those cards and the ones that flip into Eldrazi, I'm like, that's from the thing. And so that <laughs> um, after watching that movie and loving it, uh, I have a bigger respect for Eldrazi and tentacle monster things. So... Um, okay. So, so just the Emrakul branch, though. Yeah, no, just that. Not the giant <laughs> ones, but just the Emrakul branch, yeah. Um, which are the ones I thought were the dumbest. So I'm, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still like, if you start to tell me you, you, your respect grows for Oath of the Gatewatch, that's when I'll have to find a new co-host. Oh, well, yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, you know, the Gatewatch, it was really important for the Nickel Bolas. No. Um, I mean, yeah, sure. They were, they were fine, but that um, was terrible. No, I, it was one of the sets where I came back and bought a bunch of cards and was like, what the fuck? They made a new mana symbol. (laughs) Fuck this. And I got pissed and left. (laughs) Um, yeah. And, uh, now it's on everything and I don't even think about it for a second. So, uh, but, uh, anyway, classic, (laughs) classic. Um, I purposely went on this rant right now because March of the Machine and March of the Machine, the Aftermath, is the end of that story arc, and we do get a bit of a break, um, which, is, which is nice. We get a, a break into not magic story, into another story, a new story. Not a new story. It's super old. Everyone knows this story. <laughs> but, it's uh, a new story. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Jeff. Have you not heard of this before? This is one of the biggest things, and I, we might spend a bit more time talking about this because we got more information about it, and I probably have more mm-hmm. feelings about it. Um, Jeff, do you want to tell us what's coming to Arena summer of next year? Yeah, like originally we thought it wouldn't apply to us, but we it didn't. actually does. It does. Yeah. So uh, what we're talking about, of course, is Universes Beyond with uh, the brand new story, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, it's called Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth. Yeah. And it is what it sounds like. It is a Lord of the Rings themed magic set. You're going to have your Gandalf card uh, in this set. Mm-hmm. Probably the gray and the white. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll be a flip card. Uh, I hope not. I really hope it's two separate cards, honestly. Ah, no, no, you're right. It'll be, it'd be a good flip card. Damn it. 
<sighs> yeah. I feel like when you start to look at like the magic design, you got to look, okay, what would be a good flip card? Mm-hmm. And they're going to take like, you know. That's true. So, um, this is a, a modern legal uh, set uh, that is also draftable. Uh, so it's a, it's a full large set, just like Baldur's Gate. It's coming to Arena. Um, Which that part we knew, right? Like that's, we've known that since. We knew that. We knew it was going to be a modern legal thing. And draftable. Uh, so we were thinking this wouldn't apply to us. Um, but they dropped a, a bomb. Not a bomb, but basically saying, hey, this is going to be the summer set for you Arena players. And my mind is immediately just like, this is Baldur's Gate again. Um, I really hope they don't change a bunch of cards to be digital only. I think that's my first reaction. I think they're going to, though, right? Like, you can't make a modern... I guess you can, in theory, because you're just releasing it into alchemy and uh, historic. Historic. But you shouldn't really make a modern a set that you want people to play in modern and then release it into alchemy. Yeah. But is it going to be as strong as Modern Horizons? I just don't think it will be. It I think it's going to be pretty fucking strong. Because that's uh, how they get modern players to keep buying cards, right? There has to be the, the new Ragavan or whatever. That... I just thought it was like a way to... like it's a, it's a draftable set. You can draft it and then you can also play it in modern if you want to but like yeah but i think generally they try to like shake up the format so that modern players have to buy the cards i mean that's true it's just i we haven't really talked about it but i really think the Baldur's gate like change all the cards uh, thing has been really frustrating to me and i don't i'm not really happy with it after playing mm-hmm. with it uh, so, because it's just confusing because you try to talk to commander players like, hey, we have a similar, I, you know, I play that card, you play that, and then I'm like, oh, I don't even know what your card does. It's the same the, card. Not, it has the same art and maybe even the same name, but like for the most part, I don't know what you're talking about. So, um, that seems to be, as, as the announcement video is bringing together D&D players and magic players, uh, alchemy is <laughs> separating them, uh, magic right. players from other magic <laughs> players. Uh, so... Um, I hope it's not too crazy <laughs> um, and they don't go too wild with some of the digital only stuff. But uh, uh, anyway, um, the art looks amazing um, for the, the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the pieces they showed looked really good. There's like a Balrog and like uh, Frodo with the ring and, and the, the one that we've seen a lot that, with Gandalf. But um, honestly, if, of any universes beyond product that they have announced which we don't talk a lot about it on the show because they're mainly secret layers and um just stuff that don't pertain to us um this is one i actually think is cool uh and i actually am interested in i i do want to play this um i'm more so excited about like drafting it but um but yeah it uh yes i mean the number of people who are like into magic but not generally when you're into magic you most people who are into magic are into fantasy and most people who are into fantasy are into the lord of the rings so Mm -hmm. this feels like a just a very natural pairing um and once you get past like i think i know why they didn't start with this because like you know people's reaction to having non-magic characters in magic was very strong so you have to get them used to it a bit before you print Gandalf Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the timing here is also makes a lot of sense to me it's like 
right, we've pissed them off with some other <laughs> universes beyond already. They're used to it now, and now we can hit the one that's like probably has the biggest overlap with her. Yeah. Fan base. Which is um, which is great. I'm excited. Uh, I'm also excited because they did announce as well that in 2024, in the summer, it's going to be Mortal Kombat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Finally. Oh, That's what everyone's been asking for, is the Mortal Kombat universe is beyond. Um, oh, man. Fatality is the mechanic. Oh, somehow, yeah. All the different ninjas are different colors. It's perfect. It already <laughs> works right into it. Um, yeah, it's so good. Mm, it's going to be great. Uh, no, I, uh, that, that's not real, but I really... I, I, I hope one day it might be. There just aren't enough characters for it to be a full draftable set, I think. Um, you have a... <laughs> There's a lot of characters. Yeah? <laughs> enough for, like, who would the other... You might have, like, random villagers or, or yeah, people... Shaolin monk. The, yeah. the people in the background that you can pick up and throw at other people. That's uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> <Got> the... <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, Lord of the Rings... Uh, I'm going to pay attention to it now because before I was kind of writing it off as a, I might draft it once set. And now this is, I'll probably draft it a lot until the digital mechanics might frustrate me, but we'll see. Who knows? I, I, I could be a completely different person by next year. Who knows? <laughs> that could be an alchemy fiend. <clears throat> yeah, maybe, maybe that's going to be my, my next thing, um, but we'll see. Uh, all right. So Jeff, we have finished a large story arc. And so, as always, I'm jumping straight, pretending that we didn't talk about Lord of the Rings. But um, sure. from our giant March of the Machine uh, story arc, the big battle finishes. And of course, what's the next set we have to talk about and go to? Eldraine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it does. Um, yeah, the, the, the set after Lord of the Rings. So this is a fall set, right? Yes. After the mm -hmm. summer Lord of the Rings set. It's called Wilds of Eldraine. Nice. We um, Not much about it. Yeah. Presumably, it's set in Eldraine. Yeah, we seem to see. Uh, there's just a picture of, um, like, I'm assuming one of those tales of the, the the princess who's actually like an old lady who's stealing magic from somebody, and she's holding like a, a crystal apple. Um, but we can see the reflection in her her dress is showing that she's old. Um, yeah. So more fairy tale things. Uh, as we will we'll see, maybe Oko comes back and, uh, like you said, um, uh, yeah. I'm just hoping the set isn't so like low powered this time. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, like, give us some cards that we actually want to play. You know? Like, honestly, Eldraine was just such a letdown because we are, you know, off the high of, um, <laughs> of a <laughs> big battle, War of the Spark, tons of cards everybody used. Then Eldraine came around and nobody used any of those cards. None of them were any, they weren't any good. They didn't go to any tournaments, like, really just, it was a set only that... Only had to ban, like, ten of them. Yeah. It, they only made, like, the best Planeswalker ever. Um, it's just, it's crazy. Um, disappointing. I'm expecting, disappointing. yeah, higher, you know, higher power level this time around. Yeah. Um, which is what we really expect from the next set, actually. Uh, that's going to be in the winter of, uh, or I guess, like, the late fall is the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. That's right. Mm -hmm. We're going to get more of those high-powered dinosaurs that have been, you know, just destroying standard for years. Um, I don't know what I feel about these choices, both of them, Eldraine and Ixalan. Yeah, both of them feel like totally reasonably, like, 
they both kind of feel like Wizards just wants to say, let's let's have a do-over, like, because they both are cool ideas, you know, Eldraine, the art's beautiful, um, I really like the, or what I like about Eldraine is all of the top-down designs are really, like, cool, you see mm-hmm. them, you read them, you get it, and, and that feeling of reading it and getting it um, is awesome, like, when you read Ginger Brute or something, oh. you're like, oh, that's so cool. You know, like, he's a gingerbread man, you, you can't catch him, so nothing can block him unless it has haste. Um, you know, it, it's just, like, those top-down designs, Eldraine just gives you so many of those to choose from. The only real problem with Eldraine is that the cards were way too good. Yeah. Like, it just, people got sick of them because they dominated standard, and then even older formats, just forever, because they were too good. It just, I do wonder like can you make um like adventure f- low powered but fun or lower powered but fun like it, yeah totally like just increase the casting costs on them um don't make them curve into themselves like mm-hmm. part of bone crusher giant's problem and the reason like nobody plays the black one that i can't even remember the name is because oh. bone crusher is the perfect two three you're talking about murderous rider murderous rider you have to yeah. choose whether you're playing the creature or the removal spell most of the time mm-hmm. because they're both three drops um and it's really awkward it's like three and then three uh and so that card looked awesome in previews but bone crusher giant turned out to just be way way better because it's the exact two three mm-hmm. drops you want like on turn two what do you want you want to kill something you know a small creature yeah well, perfect stomp does that Turn three, what do you want? You want to play a big creature. Okay, there's, there's Bone Crusher Giant, and this one card just gave you exactly what you want mm-hmm. on both turns. So if they start to do stuff where the creature is cheaper than the adventure, mm-hmm. now it gets the cards just always get worse when you do that. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay, so you have to pick earlier. That makes sense. Also, um, if it's uh, the adventure is still cheaper, but like it's, the use is very situational, I did like those. Where it's like, yeah. what's the one, uh, Order of Midnight or something, where it's like you can get a creature from your graveyard for like one black or something, but if you don't have any mm-hmm. creatures, you it's not really useful. And then like, you shouldn't hold the 2-2 the flyer in your hand. You should play it, so. Um, right. Order of Midnight saw some like fringe play even. And there was like a green-black adventure deck going on. Exactly, so. which was cool. And it was, it was a good card, but you never felt like you were getting just steamrolled by this thing. Um, I really liked the zombie that was like, was it a zombie? I don't remember. But it was a 1-1 death touch for one, but its adventure Mm -hmm. was like two and a black to draw a card. Yeah. So it's like, it was sort of the reverse uh, where it's a one drop, but if you draw it late, it's not the end of the world. It cycles. Mm -hmm. It's an expensive cycle, and then you get your one drop that can actually trade with something so it doesn't feel useless. I thought that was a really good design. Yeah. Falmire Knight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, all that stuff. Um, so it seems cool, uh, but I just was, you know, just laughing, of course, because is this going to be the new thing? Like, we, there's a big story. We go through years of building the story. It all comes down, and then we go to Eldraine for fairy tale land. So. Yeah, and then like I was saying, Ixalan feels the same, but sort of, you know, as you alluded to, the opposite, where it's like, it's a exploration sort of adventure themed set which should be really cool 
and mm-hmm. it has a lot of really beloved uh, creature types um, and cool and cool stuff that attracted a lot of people. But then there was sort of this two things that happened really with Ixalan was the cards were kind of too bad for to make mm-hmm. a huge impact on standard or on eternal formats um, because they were trying to like systematically bring down the power level at that point to stop power creep. I mm-hmm. think. That's that's people's suspicion. From Kaladesh, life. yeah. It was reverberated yeah. from Kaladesh, yeah. Um, and then at the same time, the draft format, uh, like, some people liked it, but most people thought it was bad by the bar that, like, modern draft formats set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, like, two things that happened at once to this really cool idea for a, a theme, which was that... <laughs> Nobody wanted to play it because the cards were bad and constructed and the draft format was bad. Yeah, so. yeah. And so, um, which I agree, I, 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 I do like tribal decks and sets. However, um, I think what they need to do is have more variety. Uh, I think they're a little bit too shoehorned on there are four tribes and they are vying over the same territory uh, and those decks never overlapped and you never really wanted pirates in your dinosaur deck like ever like it was just not you weren't interested at all um right so and that's the problem you draft like a blue green rare first or something or even like a, just a blue rare it's like okay you're merfolk now yeah that's it and then that's the rest of the, and everyone does it like it's not just you, you. take every merfolk card for mm-hmm. the rest yeah because it wasn't like oh you're just a bad drafter you gotta stay open it's like no the format rewarded this mm-hmm. this was what you were supposed to do which is not it wasn't very fun, yeah. So um, I'm hoping that maybe, because we're going to the Lost Caverns, uh, they were talking about how this is like underground because um, we mm-hmm. explored the surface. Um, and so we get to see a little bit more of what's down there. Maybe there's some more creature types we didn't know were on Ixalan. Uh, maybe we get to do some other things. Um, who knows? But uh, yeah, I will miss the story though. I don't know if you ever read the story for Ixalan, but it is one of my favorites actually. Um, just with, uh, there's whole episodes that's just jace and Vraska like falling in love and sounds kind of lame and boring really interesting and i did like it quite a bit so um <laughs> there you go maybe uh maybe sexy jace will make a return oh i love sexy jace i traded something way too good for a sexy jace <laughs> it wasn't a good card so. it was not a good card it still isn't um but i just wanted a sexy jace and i i think i still have it anyway um so that's what we get. That's that's next year. Uh, before we go to a beer break, Jeff, what uh, do you have any final thoughts or like maybe what's what are you most excited for for next year? Or or uh, yeah, either most excited for or sorry, most excited for and most worried about. There we go. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. I mean, overall thoughts. This just looks really good. Looks like you know fun years, magic ahead. They do a good job though of like always making sure the year ahead looks really hype happened the past couple of years so uh, not surprised but uh, most excited for Phyrexia all will be one um, like I said just was a big Mirrodin fan and uh, I didn't get to play during like Scars of Mirrodin and New Phyrexia I was out of the game at that point for that was like oh, my uh, sabbatical let's call it mm-hmm. and uh, so you know I don't have any I just look back on some of that stuff that other people are like, oh, that, that sucked. In fact, I'm like, I don't know, I want to I try it. That seems cool to me. So I, didn't, I don't have any of those like negative uh, associations that some people might have with 
Phyrexian mana and uh, infect kind of uh, maybe not being the their best designed mechanics on their first shot. I'm confident they can fix them. So really looking forward to see what they bring in Phyrexia and you know as importantly what they don't bring. Uh, as I've alluded to, I'm most worried about uh, the Brothers War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's going to be too like. It's going to be too tempting for them to include these homages to old busted like Urza artifacts. And they have two options when they do that. Either like take a risk or just pummel it into the ground so that it's terrible. And sometimes they do the latter, but uh, too often it's just like <laughs> the card is just awesome. So I'm expecting some stupid like uh, <laughs> some like they won't print any lands that are busted because they've learned their lesson about that for the most part, but uh, there's going to be some, like, Urza artifact or Mishra artifact that's, like, really inconspicuous, but it doesn't look like much, but for whatever reason, it's, like, going to cost zero or something, and that's just going to mean it's busted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be, like, something dumb like that. <laughs> Not even, like, a fun busted card. It's going to be some, like, like, Mishra's Bauble that is, like, a $50 card now, and it doesn't actually do anything. It's going to be something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Classic, yeah. Um, maybe we'll get a reprint of Mishra's Bobble. They may, might even reprint <laughs> yeah. Mishra's Bobble, you know, and then every deck just has to have four Mishra's Bobble in mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, it's like the opt for every single deck because it's zero mana. <laughs> that's your favorite, Jeff. You you love yeah. opt. I know that's, that's your favorite card. Um, yeah, I think I'm actually... Uh, I'm going to agree with you on Phyrexia All Will Be One and Will Be... I'm most excited for that. Um, I also like those sets because the middle of winter is like a really good time to have a really good magic set because everyone's inside. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. like... I, I want them to start thinking about that a little bit more. Um, and so then I'm most worried about uh, the Lord of the Rings set. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll be cool, but I, I'm worried it will uh, break up the, the player bases a bit more. Um, already with having so many formats on arena, it can get hard to, to, you know, be kind of have your, your fingers in all of them. And this continues to make that harder and harder though. I do think it's smart that, uh, you know, we love core sets here on the show. It's one of our favorite mm-hmm. uh, things. I actually recently have decided I'm going to make a core set cube in paper. Um, love it. which seems a lot of fun, but, uh, but like you said, it makes more sense to try to get new players. Core sets were supposed to be helpful for new players and, and getting them started. You know, having new players be interested in Lord of the Rings and start playing Magic that way is going to work a lot better, uh, I think. Um, so, yeah, like they tried it with D&D yeah. last year. I don't know if, how, if it worked. I don't have the numbers on that, but presumably Wizards does. Yeah, well, I think it's a little bit easier for them because they get a cut from both Magic players going to D and D, and D and D players going to Magic. So it's just yeah, it's it just, makes sense. It's just, yeah. it's just all upside for them. Um, for this, you know, what are they going to do? Like, what Peter Jackson gets some money? I don't know. I don't think that's uh, <laughs> that's not really what's going to happen. But um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to. But but a little. <laughs> How many players do you think are playing Magic and discovering the Lord of the Rings through it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. There could be, you know, who knows? Like, those movies are old now, you know? So, yeah. like, they're, they're easily going to be some kid who's, like, a little bit too young to watch the movies yet with their parents. 
uh, or maybe their parents don't like it very much, and they're like. I think there's a show coming out in in like this September. Oh, the Rings of Power. Yeah, actually, that makes sense. Um, If you haven't seen the trailer for that show, it's mainly just a bunch of molten uh, metal going through uh, this piece of wood to spell out the the name Rings of Power. But funny fact, um, that's all practical. If you watch it, the actual. Thing. It's uh, real metal. It's not CG. And it's not CG. They actually carved out the piece of wood and they shot it and they blew smoke on it and everything. Um, so that's why... It's just it, like a video tour of a ring factory. And, that, and that's why it looks so cool. It looks really, really insane. And that's because it's all real. Um, anyway, film magic. I'm going to have to watch it again now. Yeah. With, yeah. That, with that knowledge. Yeah. Because everything... I always just like write everything off as like, oh, it's just really good CG. Because mm-hmm. the CG has gotten so good. Yeah. Um, no, that there will be a lot of CG in that, I'm sure, but uh, oh, I'm sure, yeah. but the actual the magic is real too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the magic. So we actually hired real wizards to be on. The, yeah. It's just Mark Rosewater, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely watch that. That would be if if Mark Rosewater was just like playing a hobbit, and he like came up and had one line. Oh God, that would be amazing. Um, oh, he'd he'd be so goofy delivering it too. See, that's that's why they're doing the Lord of the Rings thing because he made a deal. All right, we'll make a whole magic set for you if I <laughs> yeah. can be in the Ring of Power. Oh God, <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be so. Be like the Jerry Seinfeld thing where he can never <laughs> hold a straight face. Yeah, he's just like almost laughing the whole time. He's like almost looking right at the camera. Jeez, it's part of the charm of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're right, but I'll go with it. All right. Um, <laughs> perfect. So that's kind of what, uh, what's happening next year, what's going on uh, for the rest of this year. Um, but, uh, hey, we're going to run to a beer break, but uh, but uh, what? No, we're going to talk about some cards after that. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> previews on the other side of this beer break. <laughs> this beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening, but if you want to support the show even more, well, the Patreon's the best way to do that. Plus, if you head on over there, you get to vote on which co-host is your favorite by uh, buying me a beer. Or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash regulars to vote on your favorite host. And if you don't want to buy us a real in-life beer, you can always send us a beer emoji over on our Discord channel. You know what? We love those too. So head on over to Discord and find us at Arena Regulars. All right, Zach. What did you bring this week? Ooh, I, I brought something purple. Yeah. As always. As always, Zach's beer is purple. <laughs> uh, so this is also from Green and Grit, of course. And this is very good. It is their um, sour with raspberry, blackcurrant, and lactose. And it's five percent. The picture is purple, and it has a skeleton giving you a thumbs up. And it's got a blackberry or raspberry right on the top. I guess it's a raspberry because there aren't blackberries in this. <laughs> yeah, is it a black currant? I don't think so. No, I don't really know exactly what that looks like to you. No. Is it like a grape? That's what I'm imagining in my head. Whereas this is like uh, this a is bundle. definitely this could be a bundle of black currants. That's true. That's true. I don't know how big the skeleton's hand is. But uh, anyway, maybe that's the point. It could be either. Ah, see, there you go. That's good. At least it's not a glass (laughs) of milk for lactose. All right. Um, You know what? I have respect for something that's just a clean 5%. I've started to to come around to that when it's just 
five percent. It's not like five point three. Mm-hmm. It's not like six point four, four point eight. You're, it's just it's just five. Yeah, I think you're stealing my thunder for for later in the episode. We're not going to talk about <laughs> that stuff. But but that's good. That's good. Um, all right, sweet. All right. Yes, Happy I'm sure it's going to be sweet. That's right. <laughs> okay, getting back into the magic. Um, we're going to talk a bit about Dominaria United spoilers and all the cards that we are excited about um, from the ones that were announced uh, on the, the video. There's, there is actually a lot of uh, spoilers since then, and I really haven't had a bunch of time to look at all those. We're going to talk more about those uh, next week, so stay tuned for that because that's going to be right when everything's coming out. Um, but today we're, gonna, we're just going to talk about mainly the, the big high-profile ones, the ones that uh, really, really matter, you know? Yeah, I went to Scryfall to open up just to get a list of the cards so I could remember them from the show. And then it was like, okay, there's like at least twice as many now that I haven't seen yet. So Yeah, uh, it's, um, it's quite exciting, but also a lot to take in um, when I wasn't really expecting it. But um, here we are. Spoiler season yeah. is, is here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's good. Um, so, all right, Jeff, I'm going to start us off. Because um, what better card to spoil than uh, a reprint? Um, (laughs) I mean, we have to start here. (laughs) We we do, we do. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's not a drill. Liliana of the Veil is going to be back in standard. Holy shit, this is so (laughs) exciting. When I saw this, I was watching the video, and... uh, I mentioned to Zach that I had kind of like fallen asleep during uh, some portions of the video, <laughs> the non-magic portions. Um, like it's cool, but I, I don't play the game, and and I decided. And you have the time a that baby. I decided to watch it was quite late. So, yeah. Uh, for me, anyways. Um, so I woke up. I was still kind of groggy when this card got spoiled, and I thought it was like some sort of promo for something. Like, oh, we re- did a new art of Liliana of the Veil, and you, you're going to get it from some sort of secret lair or something, mm-hmm. right? And then I saw the set symbol, like, wait, no, that looks like it's going to be the Dominaria. Like, that has to be the Dominaria set symbol, right? And so it, like, took me a minute to process that they're actually putting this card in a, a standard legal set. I mean, that's amazing. This card is, like, very expensive, so it's a nice reprint. And, uh... If you haven't played with this card, it's just it's just amazing. It, I, I bet it looks pretty good. It's better than that. I, so I haven't played with this card. Um, yeah, it has already always looked really good to me. I've watched Reduke play with it in Modern, playing Jund, uh, which always mm-hmm. seemed like a really sweet deck. Um, and so that's why uh, I'm just I'm really stoked for it to come to standard. But in the standard format that we have right now. Obviously, it's going to change, but there will probably be a Rakdos deck that is playing both Liliana the Veil and Obnixilis, uh, whatever the rest of his name is, from uh, Streets of New Capena, <laughs> which are both three-mana Planeswalkers, which both care about discarding. <laughs> so <laughs> that sounds fun. That sounds really fun. It's the, it's the adversary, by the way. Oh, the adversary. Um, right, 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 right. I forgot, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that'll be, like, my day one deck. I'm going to craft four of these. I already have the Omnixiluses, and then 
the rest is just going to be like filler. My goal is to target myself with Liliana's minus two because I needed to sacrifice something. Ah, um. <laughs> that, that's going to be cool. Um, yeah. Oh, man. It's just, you know, I, uh, I, it's just going to be so crazy because, like, you know, turn three, you play Liliana. Turn four, then you play Abnixilis and have two copies because you sacrifice something. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the thing about this card, first of all, like, people always underrate three mana planeswalkers. Or maybe that's not true anymore because we've said it so many times. Everyone's said it so many times. Um, but this one is a very, very strong three mana planeswalker as well. Like, the plus one, I think, if you haven't played against it, it's not as symmetrical as it looks. It generally feels like when the opponent has this that they're discarding either excess Liliana's, cards that they kept in hand because they knew they had a Liliana coming out, or or they've just traded one for one. They don't have any cards in their hand, and they're just making you discard your card every turn while ticking towards an ultimate that wins the game. Like mm-hmm. on six, this wins the game, and when something comes down on three, that makes a big difference on ticking up to that ultimate. And then the minus two is just really good as well. It deals with... Because this deck will usually play removal. So even if you have a sticky creature that's hard to get rid of, it's like I kill your thing that's easy to get rid of, and then I Liliana your thing that's hard to get rid of. It's really hard to like get out from under that. And for three mana, that's just like an, an unreasonably good deal by, yeah. by sort of sta- uh, standard... Uh, I was going to say standards, but like standard standards. Yeah. Um, just think about all those decks that are like reanimating Titan of Industry and having Titan of Industry and the Rhino and then it has a shield counter on it. You kill the Rhino and then make them sacrifice the Titan. It's like right. you kill whatever it. doesn't have a shield counter on it. Mm-hmm. The other one. It's just like... <laughs> it's really hard to like get, get out from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, your whole deck has to be resilient, basically. You have to have like multiple resilient creatures. Yeah. I. Uh, this is going to be... I'm I'm excited. I mean, like I can also see um, Esper getting more crazy with Planeswalker stuff. Yeah. But um, uh, it's just I'm I'm just I'm so excited. It it's one of those cards that like has been so legendary for me for so long, and I've just never been able to have my hands on any copies because they were so expensive, or I wasn't playing the format because it was so expensive. And so being able to to be part of it is really exciting and that's what a lot of this these next couple sets are, are going to be for me is just being a part of this big history which is obviously what is what it's meant to do but um, i'm really excited so yeah it's also kind of a cool reprint in i could be wrong about this but what i was thinking when i thought about like the just saw the show and thought about this reprint it's like relatively recent think that Liliana has like killed all of her demon yep packed like owners or whatever so now she's kind of free to use the veil as she wants because I mean she doesn't like owe her life to these demons or whatever mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of cool to bring back the card that is her with her veil powers because at first I was like oh that's an Innistrad card it's kind of weird that it's reprinted as the Dominaria card um but I think it's like a storyline thing that she's now free to kind of wield the veil as she pleases. But it, it is one thing that in all the pictures, it's like kind of the veil is, is behind her or like mm-hmm. in a mirror uh, in, in the main art. It's the, the mirror of hers looking back at herself wearing the veil. And maybe she's found new power without it and, mm-hmm. and has 
past the point where she believes that she isn't strong enough without the veil or with without the demon pact and that she she can be her like be her own true self without kind of sounding like I'm on TikTok but um <laughs> you know you know what I mean like dominaria yeah. is her home plane and her being able to come back and be as strong as she was with um you know this with signing her soul over to the demons um right so we'll yeah, yeah. that yeah. makes sense too uh, i'm just i think it's like cool that it, it all just kind of came together for this reprint that's mm-hmm. like oh maybe makes sense story-wise and then also it's just her most powerful card that they've made for her and it's like she's at her most powerful whether it's like with or without the veil yeah uh, See, the only thing that we'll doesn't... have to read the story. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to read the story. But the only thing that doesn't make sense is, like, is she just not teaching at Strixhaven anymore? I thought she was kind of done <laughs> fighting bad guys. Like, what happened? Um, maybe the Phyrexians are invading Strixhaven, even though we didn't see it. Um, mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, gotta go. School's canceled. It's a snow day, Phyrexian day or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but It didn't uh, really feel like she did that much teaching there anyways. No, she was just going talking to dragons <laughs> and stuff. Um yeah. <laughs> uh, all right so that one is super exciting uh jeff is there is there anything that you wanted to talk about i i just want to talk about liliana really quickly but but what's uh yeah. what's like the the reprint or not reprint sorry the card that is coming out the spoiler the new thing that you're excited about that i'm excited so liliana is the thing i'm most excited okay about, sorry the, sure. just another card you want to talk about that's uh <laughs> Okay, well, uh, another card I want to talk about. There's another black card I want to talk about. We don't have to do two cards that cost one black black in a row. So I'll, uh, I'll switch to a different card for the moment. Um, let's talk about Squee, Dubious Monarch. So this, is, I think, is the third coming of Squee. There may be Commander Squeeds that I don't know about. But, I don't think so. Uh, in terms of, like, expert constructed products whoa expert products one. wow yeah. <laughs> i don't know our commanders shots fired. like shots fired <laughs> yeah i don't know what commanders are rated but uh, probably not expert given my experience um <laughs> so this is tuna red for a 2-2 haste whenever it attacks you create a 1-1 goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking and then all squeeze have some sort of like recurrence uh, built into them so this particular one is, you can cast it from your graveyard by paying three and a red and exiling four other cards from your graveyard. Um, first of all, this card is very, very strong for a red aggro deck because it's maybe very slightly underpowered for a three drop they want on the face, but not by that much, like three, three sort of power and toughness worth of haste that's going to build if they don't kill it. Uh, that's pretty good. Like, this doesn't get as out of hand as, you know, Goblin Rabble Master or, um, like, even the one from uh, Ravnica did, Legion Warboss. Mm-hmm. But it still gets out of, like, it doesn't take too many attacks from this thing before you're dead. And just the fact that it comes back from your graveyard in the late game gives those decks some amount of inevitability that they're always sort of searching for, like, is recovers from a, a wrath really well, right? You're not that worried about a wrath because if they tap out to wrath, pretty much on curve, you're untapping to bring two creatures back out that are attacking right away. Um, so if mono red is going to be a good standard deck, I think this will be a big part of it. And it's also just one red, so any sort of aggro deck uh, could play this if you 
you maybe have like a red uh, black aggro is probably where I'd see this type of card more so than red green but red white I guess also makes a lot of sense for this type of card so uh, I think this card's really strong whether it sees play kind of depends on the metagame if there is a really solid red aggro deck this I think will be a part of it yeah yeah I think from playing with the power of like den of the bugbear having a creature that attacks into yeah. another creature really uh really strong um and yeah just like you said having late game inevitability with like something in the graveyard really helpful with decks that uh well aren't black but um because <laughs> uh, there is a lot of incidental graveyard hate which we've talked about a lot but um no it seems cool i like bringing him back all the time <laughs> yeah. which uh, i mean okay so obviously that's a fun joke because uh he comes back all the time uh, so every yeah. time we're at Dominaria, you have to print a new squee and finding new ways to, to show off his like, uh, invincibility or, or his, uh, what is it? I guess it's, he's like, he, in the story, he just never dies. He just always happens to get away. Um, right. or does he come back to life? I actually don't know. Is, are these his bodies? <laughs> these I think it was like originally was, uh, so the, I think they mentioned this during the thing. Yeah, they originally, said originally that was mm-hmm. the joke was mm-hmm. that he was just like a pest. <laughs> it would always seem to survive these miraculous situations that he really shouldn't su- survive. And then they said something about the Phyrexians like actually giving him immortality. Well, there you go. Wow, why isn't he completed? He uh <laughs> 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 So, um Spoiler, I guess. Not spoiler. Everyone knows now. But yeah. uh, I'm going to talk about the the next... Uh, the sad I thing... Just wanna, I oh, just want to say ahead. that I love Squeeze. Like you were saying, how there's always a Squeeze that just comes back. Uh, I think the first one was actually really good. Um, but not in the way that this card is good. It's just in a you-can-never-get-rid-of-it kind of way. Mm-hmm. But I also think I was probably the only one that played the last Squeeze. Um, oh, which did was you? literally just it was just like a 2-1 that you could cast from your graveyard if you wanted mm-hmm. to um, and I had this like big red I think I was like equipping black blade to it or something because black blade <laughs> was equipped to legendary creatures <laughs> yeah. for really cheap and they, I could always make sure I had one because I had squee um, <laughs> I actually the deck was okay but uh, yeah I think I might have been the only person that put that in like a standard deck and, and played it Semi seriously, <laughs> I, I kind of love that though. <laughs> Squee with a black blade. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get that? Who? How do you find that? He's like, I don't know. It's just right here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I hid behind that rock when the bomb came down. I came out. Everyone was dead, and there was this sword here, so I, I grabbed it. I just grabbed it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> Squee. Um, anyway talking about people that are completed so uh we got a big uh, a big hard hitter it seems like they're really going after the like most wholesome planeswalkers to be completed um mm-hmm. which i'm all for uh yeah yeah of course make the biggest swing uh not none of the ones that you would expect uh grab them so uh the big shocking surprise which i think people already knew from the story because the story's been released for a little bit now um is a johnny sleeper agent our favorite uh kitty kitty dad um so he is uh one green uh hybrid phyrexian celesnia 
and <laughs> and uh, a white for a four mana a Johnny legendary planeswalker. He has completed just like uh, Tamio did from Kamigawa. So you can either the the hybrid thing will if you do the Phyrexian mana, it means that they come in with two less loyalty. Um, mm-hmm. So if you've seen Tamio, you've seen this. Yeah, so you know that completed ability, um, which I like. They're bringing it back. It's nice to have that kind of arc over the the um, sets. All right. <clears throat> So he has a plus one. It says, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or Planeswalker card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. Minus three, distribute three plus one plus one counters among up to three target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. And then minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a creature or Planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. That's what I'm talking about. That last one. Yes. The rest of it, I'm not talking about that at all. The poison <laughs> yeah, counters. Last, last one is definitely interesting. Fortunately, you have to use the shitty plus one between two and four times, depending how much you played <clears throat> for a Johnny in order to get there. Um, I think it's really cool, like you said, that they chose a Johnny to be completed. Uh, I personally, you know, like it's so hard to... It's so hard to rate new magic cards, but I think this sucks. I think, <laughs> I think it's so, really bad. So uh, this is how I'm going to rate this card and I, how I rate most cards um, where I'm like on the fence about. Um, this card seems sweet because it's a really good way of explaining what happened in the story. I know what's going on. Yes. I know what it, a sleeper agent is. Good job. All the arts are cool. Um, yeah, there's it, a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, the card looks pretty bad. I'm, I'm not excited to play the card. Like, I, mm-hmm. I have, as opposed to Liliana, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to save four Mythic Wild cards just for her. Um, I'm not even going to try to draft her. I'm just going to craft them. A Johnny is like, I, I don't even know if I want to pick it in the draft. Like, I do, because it's a Planeswalker, but still. Yeah, it'd be, like, decent in draft, I think. You'd get three plus one plus one counters. And for four digits. mana, or... <laughs> like, there you go. And then you might draw an extra card off the plus one. Yeah, maybe. Um, or put a shitty one on the bottom. I don't know. Yeah. Scry, I guess in the late game, like in limited, scrying a land at the bottom that's, is pretty close that's to true. drawing a card. That's pretty but, good, yeah. But still, like, um, so these types of planewalkers always suffer from the same problem, which is that they want to go in creature decks, but then creature-based abilities by their very nature, like, are only good when you're already winning. Mm-hmm. So, like, that minus two, or minus three, oh, jeez, it's a minus three. Mm-hmm. Um, very yeah. powerful, for sure, in the right deck. I was going to say, so is the plus one. No, the plus one is, like, okay in the right deck. If you put if you build your whole deck around the, like, creatures, the plus one is still just okay. But the minus three is obviously powerful when you have a bunch of creatures out. It's just, like, I want my Planeswalkers to be good on an empty board. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is not good on an empty board. And when I pay three mana for it, it's just going to come down and, like, scry something away. So, you know, the green-white, like, creature planeswalkers are always a little worse than they look because mm-hmm. because of this sort of problem. And this one doesn't look good. So it's like, if it's worse than it looks, and it already doesn't look good, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm out on a Johnny Sleep Rage. I, I really wish they'd made one of the Phyrexian planeswalkers good. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe there'll be one in the you know, next set or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Well, see, yeah, because... Um... I mean, I think the big thing for me is, like like you said, uh, if you use the Phyrexian mana to play this on turn three, 
you can't minus three. You just right. can't because it's going to come with two fewer loyalty. So if they changed it so you had to like kill it to use the minus three or minus two or whatever, I'd be fine. I'd be like, sure, yeah, you can pay yeah. three mana and two life to get three it's plus one encounters. I don't, still don't think the card would be that good. But no, it's a big, big difference. But it's a big difference. Um, yeah, because even Tamio like is, has a minus X, and so you could, you know, maybe it's not going to be great for you, but you there's a situation where it's possible you could use the fire crystal mana and it works. But I don't know. I'm off it too. Um, cool. Uh, I, I like what they did with the the good and the bad arts though. That's cool. Yeah, I guess so. I don't really get it either. Like, how is this? I guess it's just a Johnny doing a Johnny things. He's a sleeper agent, right? So it's like only when the ultimate activates. Okay, I actually kind of like that. Yeah, all right. Only mm. when the ultimate activates, that's when like the Phyrexians are taking control of him. Before that, he's like a normal a Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Like I, I guess I I don't have any issues with the design of the card. Kind of a cool card. But, as far uh, as that, it's EDM. just it's just kind of bad. Yeah. So unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it, it happens, but we had to talk about it because it was the big reveal at the end of the, the video. Okay, why don't we take, because we did some Planeswalkers, we did you know, Squee, definitely uh, makes a lot of sense to be in there. Why don't we take this time, though, to talk about some lands before we... Oh, uh, you read my mind. Um, <laughs> you, you go ahead, you talk about the lands, because I want to hear what you're saying. Okay, but. so my, my first major thought about this is like... They did the thing where there's six of them again. Like, why'd they do the thing where there's six of them? All right, real quick. What are we... Tell us what we're talking about. All right. So, <laughs> we have some rare dual lands in Dominaria that are reprints. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be an old geezer like me to, to remember these cards, I think, by this point. But uh, they are what we would call pain lands in the community. If you've ever heard the term pain lands... This is what we're talking about. I'll give you the example that I happen to be looking at right now. Uh, surprise, surprise, it's Sulphurous Springs. <laughs> that is a land that can tap to add one colorless mana or can tap to add a black or a red. If you choose that option, it deals one damage to you. So that's the rare cycle of dual lands from the set. It's a, it is a reprint. Um, and... Yeah, it's kind of cool to do these because they have Dominaria names. So this is like the only place to do them. Carpless and for I mean, Sulphur Springs, I guess not really, but Shivan Reef. Shiva is a area of Dominaria. Yavamaya Coast, again, Yavamaya is an area of Dominaria and so on. So um, I think, oh, I, I see. Sulphur Springs was from the other set, right? That probably wasn't specifically Dominaria named. I think so, yeah. Uh, maybe okay. not. I, I have no idea, actually, because Carpolution Forest is a real place. But um, Well, that's what I mean. Like the, They did the five that are Dominaria named, and then one more. So maybe it was like back in the day, the first five were Dominaria named after places, and the next five were. I actually don't yeah. know. Uh, that would be fun to look up. Um, but yeah, I'm just guessing at this point. Yeah, I, yeah I, have, I have no idea either. But um, uh, you may know these. I think the, the enemy ones are all in Magic Origins, and so they're technically uh, Pioneer legal and Explorer legal already. Yes. But now... Oh, okay, so you don't have to be as old as I was thinking to yeah. appreciate these. But now, all, any of the allied ones that are coming out, which we only have a couple, um, those are, are new to, to Pioneer. I believe that they are uh, being added right now. So that is uh, an exciting thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's really good here. And I, we're assuming that they're doing six here and then we're going to get the other four in the Brothers War. Um, so it's so weird not to do five, five and five. <laughs> we talked about so, this last time they did it. Yeah, so this one, it's a little easier for me to see them. So it's like there are, uh, what is it? So it's leaning on Shivan Reef being like the 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 card so it's basically like there are um three red ones and uh three blue ones are are the extra so um it's like okay so we got three red three blue and then two black two white two green um Mm -hmm. now i don't know if that means something like uh they're trying to emulate the feeling of like what is it uh pyroblast and um or I guess hydroblast, hydroblast and, and pyroblast or or something like that 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 kind of blue versus red thing um, mm-hmm. maybe that's a, a brothers war thing that's basically what I was getting out of it um, I don't I don't know if that's actually it means anything and it was just like yeah. oh yeah we just decided that we did we wanted to hold on to one of them for a little bit but uh, not not help Demir deck or yeah Demir decks that much or I don't know give them the other lines instead uh, yeah. Who knows? Um, one thing I'll say about these lands, though, to actually talk about them, they're good lands. You're going to want to get these. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that these lands tend to be very overrated by the community, though. I think it's like a thing where way back in the day, like when these were printed, these were very strong. Like these are would be considered very strong lands. And were played at, like, the top standard decks of the time. And there's a few things that go on there. Like, they don't print... They didn't print rare dual lines in every single set like they do now. Um, But also, creatures were a lot weaker. And spells were a lot stronger. And so taking a damage was a lower cost at the time. And so I think people tend to play these and uh, take, like, four damage off them. And, like, that'll lose you the game against a deck that's trying to attack your life total down. So I think the cost of playing these has sort of grown over time with better and better creatures being printed. Um, Now, again, you need to catch up, so you need, like, the fact that they're untapped dual lands does go a long way. But I think people just... It's so ingrained to them that this drawback is nothing. It's trivial. But it actually matters. And so people are like a little too high on these, I think, and just load their deck with them. You should probably just have some, like, a small... You, you probably don't aren't playing, like, four of all of your colors of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think of, like, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, two or something, but, like, th- think about when you're playing a, a Historic or Explorer where you... The amount of times you play it, your Shockland untapped um, and what that means to you. And then think about tapping this land three times for a color. Right. And, you know, what's the, the give and take? Are you, would you, tapping a land feels like it's, it's free, it's there. So, and a lot of times you're like, yeah, maybe I will play this shock tapped because I don't need to lose two life right now. Um, these will, it, because it's one at a time, it feels different. So um, just, just watch out. Don't, don't kill yourself, like Jay, uh, Jeff said. So. Yeah. And the shock lands come with choice, like mm-hmm. real choice. These come with the illusion of choice. Like, it looks like you get an option, but, like, in the situations where you need colored mana, you need colored mana. Like, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. You're not paying this over using a mountain. That's not a real choice. These don't actually give you a choice. And so it kind of looks like they do, but they don't. And that's why shocklands are better. Shocklands are like, first of all, like you said, you're more li you're likely to take more than two damage off these. Um, but also shocklands, you can choose to take zero if you want. It's up to you. These are like, if you need a red mana, you you take damage. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. So, um, but still, it's really exciting. Uh, I want a lot of them for Explorer and stuff just because, you know, I want to have those. Um, so it's it's really cool that they just reprinted them, and I want them in in all the oh yeah the things and, and yeah to clear like to be clear I, I like these lands I will get them I will play them they are good I just think people tend to think they're better than mm -hmm. they are is why I wanted to no that's I think that and it's hedge a, a little towards like they're not as good as you might think mm -hmm. it's a really good point like you might if you play four of one of them it might be like a two color deck maybe. But like, th there's a lot of other options. Um, mm -hmm. We'll we'll see what happens when standard rotates. But um, uh, how many you might play? But it, uh, you might not need nearly as many. So that's actually right. good news for you. Yeah, if this is like the best dual land in a format, it, that's a really different format. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, they're kind of going to be playing backseat to like tri lands and stuff. So um, that's triumph type stuff. So they're going to be like helping you splash that third color is kind of where I see these fitting in in the immediate standard mm -hmm. uh, unless you're playing Eldrazi and need then they're like Trilance because they tap for the Eldrazi <laughs> <mana>. yeah <laughs> yeah except for I hope nobody's playing Eldrazi <laughs> well yeah well I was already talking about how like this upcoming sets are actually going to be Eldrazi sets not Phyrexia sets mm -hmm. So this is just my evidence for that. This is like the plant for the Eldrazi because they're tri-lands okay. for, okay. for Eldrazi. Yeah. I see it. I see it. Um, all right, Jeff. Let's try it. Let's, you know, we, we had a, some nice rants, some good stuff. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> happy with them. But um, I do want to make sure we save some stuff for next week. So maybe let's just pick one more card that we're going to talk oh, about. Just one? I know. It's really hard. Um, I know you already alluded to one of them. Uh, so yes. if if you want to jump right on board with that, I I'm great with uh, with that. So okay, well the card that I think is really cool is Braids Arisen Nightmare. It's one black black for a three three legendary creature nightmare. Beginning of your end step, you can sack an artifact creature, enchantment land, or planeswalker. Up to you. If you do, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. For each opponent who doesn't, they lose two life, and you draw a card. So this is really cool because that is, like, you kind of get to choose, assuming you build your deck with this in mind, you kind of get to choose if I want to end step, draw two life, or draw a card <laughs> my opponent loses two life, or do they, like, have to sack their best creature kind of thing. And so I'm imagining this goes in this sort of uh, like red-black anvil deck where you have lots of artifacts and lots of creatures. Um, and so if, you know, if they don't have any artifacts, cool, I sack my blood token and I get to draw a card and you lose two life. Or if they have a big creature, that's fine. I sack one of my little one-ones and they have to get rid of that creature. Um, so obviously this is like the type of card that goes into type of decks that I like. And... The fact that this is an on on end step is what makes it playable. Like this is pretty strong, yeah. Thing to happen on end step, and the fact that you get the choice 
uh, especially with the amount of like blood tokens that fly around at the moment, it seems like it probably isn't that hard to force the second thing on your opponent where you uh, you lose, they lose two life and you draw a card. Now I guess you can't like force them to sack a creature, but uh, I don't know a card like three three for three. They lose two life. You draw a card is isn't the worst consolation prize. So. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. unclear whether that burden of choice that your opponent can always keep the creature if they want to is enough to hold this card back. And, like, if they have a blood token, they can sack it. Um, but on the face of it, like, a 3-3 three, three for 3 that replaces itself, gets a bit of damage in, and then threatens to keep doing it, so they have to answer it, uh, seems like something I'm, gonna, I'm interested in trying. Yeah, I really like, if you're not familiar with Braids... Um this is a, a creature from Dominaria who's, who's quite uh, crazy um, and, and also extremely oppressive. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is a really good way of having a very similar effect. The original Braids just said at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices an artifact, creature, or land. And that was mm-hmm. it. So every turn you have to sacrifice something no matter what, and you have to figure out what it is. And a lot of the times it ends up being your lands at the end. And, and then that game can be miserable. So I like that this one um, actually yeah. kills them. It can actually kill them and get the game con- like moving forward, and it happens right away. So, um, I'm kind of pretty sure locking people out of the game with braids was like a legitimate game plan and a very strong deck. Yes, back in uh, back when braids was the thing. Yeah, which is awesome. But I like that uh, you know, and if you're a friend of the Arena Regulars, you know we like land destruction. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's not a surprise that. Uh, having something that has the ability to make people sacrifice lands. Um, I mean, obviously our new one, you have to sacrifice your own land as well, but um, I just, uh, I I like it. I think it's a really good, uh, it's a really good version of of this that people aren't going to like just curse forever. Um, Right. And like, I think it's probably not quite good enough to get there if I had to guess, mm -hmm. but I really like, the design of like the fixed braid kind of braids kind of aspect like you're saying yeah make braids a little less miserable to play against exactly so it's less miserable uh, it's a stronger creature and also like if it is on the battlefield for a little bit and then dies it actually did something um mm-hmm. and you can kind of choose what you need it to do so um that's nice as, a, as opposed to just having your opponent be able to make all the decisions where they have to just oh I'll, i guess i'll keep my good creature and sacrifice my land uh, they could do that. Um, this one, you get to kind of choose that. So um, it's good. Seems sweet. Also cool because, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone, Braids died. So this is, uh, this is obviously, it's a nightmare. So it's really cool. It's that, a uh, risen nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Braids is back. Pretty sick. Pretty sweet. Oh, I am so fucking pumped for this set. I wasn't like... It's been a summer of, you know, people are always talking about set fatigue. And this summer, it was kind of like a lot of stuff. And then I kind of took a break for myself and was busy doing summer things and being outside and seeing family and all that. But coming mm-hmm. back into this, look at these cards again. I'm like, fuck, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> let's let's get back into let's it. Let's get back into this. Um, with Dominary United, I'm so stoked for this. I don't, like... If people like people ask me like maybe what my favorite plane is, it sounds boring, but I feel like Dominaria is probably my favorite. Um, you just can't get better than any just classic. You know, I really like classic stuff. 
Um, so. Yeah, there's lots of like lore to it, mm-hmm. you know, because there are so many sets that happened there. So uh, I I'm excited for the rest of the stuff, and uh, man, it's uh, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a good year. I'm stoked, man. Mm. So what's your card, man? My last card? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, like, that was kind of my last thing. I don't know if I can uh, outdo that moment I just gave us. Like, are you kidding? Um, <laughs> I, I don't... I'm not, this is when you're going to come forward with, like, lightning strike. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Lightning that's the card. Back. Yeah, exactly. I was really excited <laughs> because lightning strike, um, you know, I've just been waiting for it for so long. No, honestly, um, I'm really excited. This is just an overarching thing, but... Um, uh, having uh, kicker back, but like with different colors is huge to me. Um, it just seems a lot more fun and interesting this way, as opposed to just, uh, you play the two, two. And then if you have more mana of the same color, you can play a bigger version, but, uh, mm-hmm. making, giving you deck building restrictions of like, Oh, do you want to play this white card? But, uh, if you add some black or add some red, it gets stronger. That just has a lot more flavor to me. And, uh, it makes me a lot more excited to have kicker as opposed to normally I'm not the biggest kicker fan. But uh, uh, I think Kicker's good. It's just there's a lot of words, I guess, and I, uh, I like less words. So um. <laughs> It's also super overrated. The yeah. whole community tends to overrate Kicker. At that exactly. Because they're like, oh, yeah, it like, gives you options. And then like 90% of Kicker cards, it's always obvious which one you play. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but uh, so I was saying earlier, I got that box of like, uh, invasion cards or whatever mm-hmm. and the when I was playing magic and like learning it and I had this big box of old cards that I thought were so cool the cards that I thought were by far the coolest were the cards that had kickers for different mana symbols mm-hmm. and they like did different things that represented that color when you kicked with that color yeah um, and so when I as soon as I saw that back in the set I just like an old part of me reignited and i was like yes and i think we've mentioned this about kicker in the past where i was like when kicker was done best is when it was like a shard kind of thing where or i guess in this case sometimes you know it can be uh any three-color pair yeah um oh i guess yeah it's anything it doesn't matter but like when it's a monocolored card that has two different kicker costs of different colors those were always the coolest and Mm -hmm. uh it looks like the ones i've seen so far like both kickers do the same thing which mm-hmm. i feel is slightly lame i wish that like the red kicked card is different than the white kicked card mm-hmm. uh, and i get the appeal of like you get to do it twice if you use all three colors but uh i don't know that feels a bit <laughs> it feels a bit lazy to me but i still think it's really cool that they brought this back and like at all and uh are trying to do kicker in a different way than like you said of like the standard you pay more than double the cost, but the effect doubles. Mm-hmm. It's like kicker. That's kicker. Like, oh, you know, you you can you can do two damage or two damage for one mana, or like four damage for five. Yeah, and, and it's like, like, oh, it's so interesting because it's you know disproportionate cost. It's like, no, well, if I have five mana, I'm going to do the four damage one. If I don't, I'm going to do the two damage one. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So this is more interesting. Um, I want. I'm still hoping to see some like really cool. Multi, like double colored kickers where the different colors do different things mm-hmm. um, but i appreciate not trying like trying to hold a little bit back on complexity yeah i think uh, I, I hear what you're saying um which i did you know it is fun to have those little bits 
where where it's like oh this is blue and if it's blue you draw a card and if it's red it deals two damage and if it's white you gain three life or whatever um but i sometimes felt a little disjointed with those and i kind of like it where it's like hey uh you you this card does this thing and it does it better the more colors you have access to um which is better as in like extra one so i i almost almost <laughs> the opposite of like i i actually like yeah. that the white angel comes down and like deals two damage if you have red and deals two more damage if you have black and and that's, it, that's do, it does make it feel a bit like domain where it scales mm -hmm. with the number of colors that you and so you because have. because we have domain in the set as well i think it meshes in, in that where it doesn't feel uh, as mm -hmm. like here's a bunch of kind of uh these are colored effects and but they're a little random and you don't really use one of them ever um so this kind of gives you like hey you know you could put this if you're playing Boros, you play this angel and like maybe you splash black for, or you could, it just makes you think like, oh, my mana base could be a little bit different because maybe there's a time where I need to deal the two extra or whatever. Um, yeah. I just loved those old battle mages, man. It was like a red one. If you kicked it for white, it did some white. Okay. Thing. Well, kicked it for black, it did the black thing. And but I admit that those were like, I think they might've even been commons. Like I admit that those are pretty complicated. Commons. I thought that those didn't the battle mages, they had activated abilities though. I thought that they like tapped and did different things. Is that not right? Or there were cards that did that though. I don't know if they were the, battle Oh, mages. maybe the battle mages weren't kicker, but I know what you're talking. Yeah. Kicker. Yeah. But there were like some kicker cards that they actually did. felt that way. Um, I'm trying to remember, but yeah, but I, I do agree, you know, with probably what wizards is saying that those are, a little complicated for a common by yeah. today's standards. <laughs> and also just like maybe, I don't know, I did like them, I, I, and I do like it, but um, uh, I, I'm, I'm Yeah, you're right, the battle mages were like the first guild mage kind of thing. Yeah. The but, tap abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do like pairing it, pairing it down just a bit. But um, anyway, I, uh, I think I said most of my closing thoughts earlier about uh, uh, Dominaria <laughs> this year, but, but do you have any final words before we go to the last call? Um. Nope, just that this set is shaping up really nicely. I think it looks... There's a lot of... There's, like... We could have cycled a, a different... However many cards we talked about, we could have talked about a completely different set of that many cards um, that would have been, like, equally exciting cards to talk about. You know, we didn't even mention, like, Shieldred or, mm -hmm. you know, any of the new um, sagas. So we have lots to get to uh, mm -hmm. next week, so... Um, you know, you knew they were gonna bring, you you knew they were gonna bring their A game for for Dominaria, um, so so far, I think it's living up to the hype, and I can't wait to see more. Yeah, same, same. When was the last? And like Liliana of the Veil? Are you fucking kidding me? It's so like I can't believe they pulled the trigger on that one. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so cool. Fuck, I'm so excited. Okay, all right, I'm getting hyped, but uh, I gotta wind down because it is last call ah, bummer yeah i know <laughs> um uh as always we're going to rate our beers on a scale from bronze to mythic just like the tears in arena uh as always this has nothing to do with where you are in your tier laddering system though we do recommend that you play events and you know maybe don't listen to the ladder anymore that uh doesn't really matter all that much but um uh, yeah, anyway, this is just a fun way to rate beers uh, because, hey, why not? 
With that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. They're the worst beers that you've ever tasted. They are the coffee brown ale sitting in my fridge that I got from a trip I was recently on, and I can't drink them anymore. <laughs> I, I have to... I opened oh, one. Oh, no. And I, I didn't realize those were bronze. Yeah, I had to pour it down the drain. Uh, it was that bad. All right, so if you want to know what a bronze beer looks like, come to our Discord, because mm-hmm. Zach posted a picture of it. So. I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, silver beers. These are beers that basically have nothing going on. Like, think your standard macro brew. Yeah. Gold beers are fine, but you won't really drink them again or think about it ever. And then platinum is pretty solid, and you would drink it again. Diamond is exceptional, and you would recommend these to your friends. You pick these up often, and you would bring these to parties. And then mythic. These are the Liliana of the Vales of Beer. Um, they're the best of the best, and you'd recommend these. You recommend crafting four of these to anyone who will listen. Yeah, they are definitely worth it. All right, Jeff, do you have your beer ready? Do you have the can and everything? We're ready. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. On the count of three. Three, two, one. Very, Very good. good. Yeah, buddy. All right. I knew it. I knew. I knew <laughs> it. Ah. Um. Okay, so let's start with the uh, with the winner then. Let's the grand do it. Champion. Let's do it. Um, I want to. Um, I want you to talk first. I I know what you're gonna say, but I want to hear what you're gonna say. Okay, it's not too juicy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste too much like juice. Which is, it looks a lot like juice, mm-hmm. but it actually doesn't really taste too much like juice, uh, which anyone who's a long-time listener to the show knows. I like my sours to taste like beer first and, like, sour juice second. And I think I'm in, I think when, when we started the show, that was, like, 50-50, but now it's sort of consensus has come in and I'm in the minority because everyone's, like, producing these sours that are a little juicier, mm-hmm. closer to juice than to beer. Um, which is fine. It just means it's harder for me to find a sour that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, this one isn't like all the way as far as I would go if I were designing a sour where it's like it's a beer with a sour kick. This definitely is, you know, it's a sour beer right away. Um, but it's pretty good. It tastes. I taste the raspberry. Um, the sour is a really good balance on it. Uh, like, I also, another pet peeve of mine is a sour that isn't actually sour. It's just like fruity. Like, that's not same thing <laughs> like why are you calling this a sour um, this one is sour so i don't like that um and overall even though it's not you know my necessarily my favorite beer style i have to admit that this is like a well done version of that mm-hmm. uh, style yeah i uh i'm gonna agree with you with all the things man uh i usually i'm the juicy sour guy and um mm-hmm. Uh, I got actually, I overdid it a little bit for a while and, uh, it didn't, didn't get a lot of sours. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, but, uh, I'm coming back in full form, but this guy, uh, I was actually thinking this was going to go overboard, but we've been finding that this brewery has a lot more of a, a really subtle touch. Like their hand on the dial is, is pretty good. Um, yeah. And, uh, this one, especially, I think it hit a lot of good notes for me with uh you can taste the wheat it is sour but not that's not the only flavor you get which to me uh there's a lot of sours that are just sour and then i don't really know what else is going on because i my tongue can't uh also true yeah, yeah some of them are like can't taste anything after that it's like the spicy food that's just too spicy to enjoy exactly you're like what is this yeah. it's just hot it's flames meaning flames <laughs> yeah. um so i was really surprised by this 
it's not as like dark as I was thinking with the lactose and mm -hmm. uh, wow I am it just feels I want a lot of these I am I really I like this a lot mm -hmm. I think uh, I think this is the best beer we've tried from them of the four I agree yeah. I agree it's the best beer um, now oh man I'm gonna say geez you know what? I'm going to give this Mythic. I really like this. Okay. I, I think I'm going to give it Diamond. Mm -hmm. but uh, I was really close to Diamond, but I think you gave a, a like a really respectful Mythic recently, and I felt like I've been behind the times. Um, <laughs> but this is, so far, this is the beer that when, they, when people go there, I'm going to be like, get this beer. Um, whether you like sours or not, I, uh, I think it's a really good um, level playing field. And tasting it, by the taste, I could tell that you would like it. And um, and I also like it. <laughs> so if you get the guy who likes the juicy, really fruity beer and the guy who likes beer, I think you get, you did a good yeah. job. Yeah, this is, uh, this is like a great sour. Like I said, if I were to make it, I would push it a little beerier. Mm -hmm. But I understand that you want, you know, uh, you want to sell it as well. So uh, yeah. they like... They, I think they hit a perfect balance yeah. where pretty much everyone's going to like it. There's a good uh, subtlety and yeah, I really, I'm really happy with that. Um, all right. Pinky swear. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I really like the imagery of this, but I don't remember what the beer tastes like at all. And, uh, yeah, I don't. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, we've been doing this long enough that, uh, this is mostly just for me. I, I know that, you know, the listeners and even you have no way of, like, verifying that I didn't check the can. But I took one sip of this. I don't have to look at the can. This is Eldorado hops. Mm -hmm. And I don't like Eldorado hops. So right away, this was like... I took one sip. I think I grimaced and was like, okay. I think... This is an Eldorado mm -hmm. IPA. I saw you do so it too, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, hard for me now to, you know, try to objectively validate it like sometimes there's a little bit of eldorado this is like eldorado's the hops they chose to use um it has that like detoury mm -hmm. flavor for me so i personally don't like it um i think in terms of like you know trying to take away the hops and just what is the actual underlying grain and you know body of the beer tastes like it seemed well made like it seemed reasonable mm -hmm. yeah um it's just hard for me to get past that. It's like the people who don't like cilantro, you know. If you put cilantro in their sure. taco, they're just that's all they're going to taste. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, oh yeah, I, I don't know if, if the pork was good or not. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't have the same aversion to El Dorado that you do. Um, so this, this to me just tastes like a, a beer, and I kind of completely forgot about uh, it while I was drinking it and didn't think about it, and um, it seems very very well made but i'm never going to remember this um i i know that i'm going to forget that i tasted this uh, <laughs> if we ever go so um that means it's gold for me and and uh yeah it's it's yeah it navigated itself to gold for me too because mm -hmm. it's like i can sort of acknowledge that it's a well-made beer so mm -hmm. it's fine but i definitely won't drink it again yeah so. 
Definitely, definitely. All right. Um, a bit polarizing sometimes with these beers, but I'm really happy that we found one that was very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that one was the one of all the ones we bought that I was going to like the least. Yeah. Um, I was, the... you know, barring next week's show. Like, so it's so far it's the best. Yeah. So we have one more week of this, uh, this uh, grain and grit, uh, tap takeover. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, so far it actually, I, I think earlier I said it was like really great last week, but I think it was hit and miss at the, you know, uh, so we'll, we'll find yeah. out, but all right, it is time for closing time. You can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. If you have a time machine, you might run into us on Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? Technically, I have a Twitter account. It's at BluesBrewsMTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. But I check it even less now than I did before, somehow. Uh, so the best way to contact me is to find our Discord and uh, just talk to me there. Uh, I'll probably respond pretty quickly if you do that. Yeah, it's true. Um, if you're having trouble finding our Discord, it's Arena Regulars on Discord. Uh, but there is also a link pinned to our Twitter account. So just go to, to Twitter and you can find it there. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts on iTunes. Uh, follow us on Spotify and leave us a review there. Reviews are actually huge for us just because it, it bumps up our, our podcast uh, into a visibility where, where uh, people who uh, are searching will find it. Uh, where if it doesn't have a lot of reviews, it won't. So it means a, a lot to us, not only personally to read them. I know Jeff and I have, have really enjoyed all the reviews we've gotten so far. Um, yep. But uh, but more is always better. So uh, we'd really love that. And uh, yeah, post them there. Don't go to our Discord and post reviews. That doesn't help our analytics. We need help on our analytics. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that they're reprinting Liliana of the fucking Vale. Good night. All right, that's fine. <laughs>